Hey guys, welcome back to the second episode of Flick, Flick or, or Flop. Flop. Woo! Can't wait this week. We are actually going to hear from Jeremy himself on the top five and bottom five films of 2019. I've been waiting for three Finally. weeks. Nice. I have been waiting for three weeks. No yes. pressure. I will say, though, like how many times have we been trying to watch? Well, I'm not even going to spoil it. You guys are going to have to stay tuned for the rest right. of the episode. Because I think that it's, in, right? That one's in your top five? Yes, it is. Oh, it's high up there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this week, we are going to get into two two films. They come out this week. Friday. It's a short week. Mm-hmm. It's a light week. That way we can focus on the top five and bottom five. <laughs> so Jeremy, what's up first? So first, we're going to talk about the rhythm section. So... Um, in the rhythm section, Blake Lively plays the leader of a band who learns through the clash of her bandmates that rhythm is all you really need to succeed. <laughs> I'm kidding. I was going to say, wait a minute. I don't think that... <laughs> the, 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 the title is very confusing. It's not a sequel to Whiplash. Um, so no, I'm actually going to read from the IMDb page. It's, it's straightforward and to the point. So hold on. Let me, let me make sure that I'm getting this. Straight. The rhythm section. The rhythm section. Makes yes. no sense, but okay, go for it. I mean, so it's about a woman that seeks ref- revenge against those who orchestrated a plane crash that killed her family. So that woman is played by Blake Lively. Um, so where do we want to start? Well, I do have to say this movie, I think works mainly because of Blake Lively. I think this is one of um, the toughest performances that she's done in a while. It gives her a lot to do emotionally, physically, and she kind of has to play different parts of herself. Yeah. Um, you know, play different identities in a way. Um, I feel like she just really went all in. Like, you see no traces of her, like... I mean, yeah, she's still Blake Lively, so she's gorgeous, but, like, she she gets to smoke, she gets to cry, she looks bruised and wounded, and she does drugs, and, um, I mean, she's been through a lot. She's damaged, she's lost her family, they were killed in a plane crash. And I think she was, like, an Ivy League grad. I don't... Right. They didn't really give too much background on her as a character herself, but... Right, yeah, so her character um, is Stephanie... I think it's just Definitely. so relatable. Not not to like interrupt or anything, but I, I think that just... Well, I we were looking at some of the other reviews that people have been saying about Blake Lively, whatever, and I don't think that they're giving her enough credit because, I like you were saying, she does play some pretty challenging... She does, yeah. I mean, because I've always liked Blake Lively, but she's more of a lightweight performer. Like, she did... You know, she started out in Gossip Girl. She did The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. So those are like... Sunny, Wish I would have watched bright, those. Right. Yeah, well, you should have. I know, I know. <laughs> you should have done your homework. That was no. one of those where my friends were like, oh, you need to watch it. I'm like, eh, I don't have enough time. But no, she's a really talented actress. And um, I I just liked that she put forth everything. And, you know, it was just a very, like, tough and gritty performance, I thought. Um, the movie is definitely, like, a little more somber than I was expecting. That's not a knock on it. I kind of like that. And it was, like, at a slower tempo. Yeah, at first, I would say. It it, it was slowly warming up. It's like and a then slow it, burn. Then it was, like, a... It was a pretty heavy it has, boil. And then it has, like, bursts of high intensity. Like, there's this really cool extended car chase um, in... 
Uh, was it uh, Tangier? Yeah, it was there's in Tangier. There's a lot of globe trotting going along, she which I love. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It was very female-born supremacy. Yeah, James Bond. I also looked up that the producers of this have done a lot of the James Bond movies. So I said that right, sense. didn't yes. I say that? I was like, yes. it's very born Bond. Yes. Yeah. We should say this was directed by Reed Morano, a female filmmaker. I hate saying female filmmaker, but that's really cool. Like she gets it's female you know, power. Yeah, listen, it's it's the century of the female. Right, and the writer is Mark Burnell. I guess he's adapting his own novel from 1999. I haven't read it, but yeah, this was a book. The rhythm section. Um, we should get to the title. Um, mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I'm still not getting it, but... Right. So Blake Lively's character is Stephanie Patrick. That's her name. Stephanie Patrick. She finds a trainer of sorts in Jude Law, and he... when Love he's him. When he's having her practice shooting, because she wants to, you know, go after the people that are responsible for the deaths of her family and all the other people that were on the plane, um, he says, the heart is the drums and your breathing is the bass. So that is where that rhythm section title comes in. I don't... I personally call that reaching. (laughs) The title is reaching. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I like it because it it does pique your interest, right? It's definitely an unconventional... I mean, they could have called it the... I don't know what they could have called it. I don't know. It doesn't even matter but like right. the rhythm section i don't know i was i was expecting more right like come on tie it in for me um but no i found this compelling like it definitely um asks the question it literally asked the question one of the characters asked is revenge worth it like you've seen so many familiar revenge thrillers and usually you just see a lot of um people you know the lost family members that are just killing the bad guys and they're basically no better than the bad guys but i felt like this kind of uh, was a little more complex than that. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think that it really, it's a beautiful story, I think, just with the fact that, you know, what, how would you deal with grief if right. your whole entire family died? And we should say she's a regular person. She's not this, like, ex, she's not like a Marine. The family that anything. died, it wasn't yes. this special family or, right. yeah, or decorative type of family. Yeah. Right. It was, um... Yeah, I she just... Has, yeah, she has nothing to lose, and she, you know, she's dealing with this trauma, the de- this devastating trauma, and she kind of lose herself, loses herself as a person, and she has nothing else to lose, so... One question I would like to ask everybody who's listening, too, and maybe, like, something that we can think about ourselves, if you were in that position... If you went through all of that grief and that loss and you had somebody that came to you and said, hey, I know who killed your family. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you do? What would you do? Yeah. Um. So send it in. Let us know because I'm thinking about it. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, I know that I would do the right thing and I wouldn't, you know, go have somebody finance right. the whole I know it's like this. I mean, it turns into an action thriller and we're acting like it's this like deep story. It, it is it, to me. It, no, but it definitely did have more complexity than I was expecting, which I'm glad. I thought it was just going to be like a, another female version of shoot not even up, not even born, but yeah, shoot 'em up, like another Taken with Liam Neeson or something like that, like revenge. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, one wishes Stephanie will be able to take her life back by the end. So, um, a few more things I wanted to say. 
This movie also has, like, a lot of artful touches. Like, there's this really, um... The director, Reed Morano, she intercuts between a lot of scenes. Like, when Stephanie's dressing up as a call girl and meets one of the guilty parties, the camera stays with her in the bathroom while she's getting ready, but then you see her already on top of him, and then it goes back to her in the bathroom. So I kind of liked that. I I felt like it was a good way of building tension. Um, Did you notice that, like, how it did that a couple times? Like, a little, like, flash forward? I didn't notice the details, but there was a lot of emotion yeah there yeah and the movie does start with a flash forward which i don't always like when they do that in movies i think it's cheesy i feel like it just kind of like sucks out the suspense and it didn't really add anything but i mean that's like a minor nitpick well Um, whenever you got to that scene then i was like we talked about this after the movie like you you didn't have the same feeling i did around like oh well i knew like what i didn't know i thought that like i thought going into that scene i was like yeah it's gonna be a setup it just didn't really get added in anything. No. But, um... It was lame. Yeah. <laughs> so But, like, no, on the I ho- still liked the movie. Right, right, on the whole. Um, we should also say, yeah, Jude Law's in this, and then Sterling K. Brown, he's from This Is Us. He's in it, too. He plays an ex-CIA agent that kind of helps her along. The information man. Yes, he is the information man. Um, but, yeah, it is really Blake Lively's movie. Um, she definitely... She's the centerpiece of it. So, final thoughts. I mean, I would say... I would say see it. It's, um... I don't know if it's always fun, but it's definitely, like, a more compelling, um... version of an action thriller. And there's definitely some relatability and humanity in uh, Blake Lively's performance. And, yeah, so, I would say it's a flick. It's a flick? I would agree. I think that it's a flick. And I think that if you were to also take a look at maybe some other similar uh, releases, if anybody else, you know, would like to check out some other ones that maybe you've written about too that I find to be very similar, check out Underwater. I mean, it's it's a similar, like, female role, strong female woman Return action. Returns Angels. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. Oh, yeah. So general consensus, it's a flick. It is a flick, yes. So this week we have all of the zoo here. Willie in the process of taking off her diaper since her friend Flo's visiting. But back to the movies. I was super excited for this one. Just saying, not going to reveal my final thoughts, but Jeremy, Gretel, and Hansel? Yes. So Gretel and Hansel. It is a new twist on the Brothers Grimm fairy tale that I'm sure everyone's heard. Um, I'm gonna no, <laughs> <laughs> no, guilty. Seriously, no, don't know. There's it. an oven. And I mean, I, I know, and, right? Yeah. Like the temptation in the forest, whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so um, Orion Pictures on IMDb describes their story as a long time ago in a distant fairy tale countryside. A young girl leads her little brother into a dark wood in desperate search of food and work, only to stumble upon a nexus of terrifying evil. So, this is a very grim version of the fairy tale. I mean, I think all fairy tales are really grim, especially ones back, you know, written in, like, whatever, the 1700s or something. But this is um, something we're not accustomed to. Yeah. Right. 
Um, so where do we even start? Um, it's very like, I don't even know, like Little Red. A Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, like Sleeping Beauty, like Maleficent, just like that mm-hmm. feel, that vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, Sophia Lillis plays... I was going to say, what do you think about the cast? Yeah. Right, Sophia Lillis, she's from the It movies and she was in a reboot of Nancy Drew. She plays Gretel. Um, she has a real, like, quiet confidence about her that really just holds the screen whenever she's on. And, um, yeah, I thought she was really good as Gretel. She's this this version of Gretel. She's reaching womanhood, and she has to fend for her family. And um, She looks so meek and mild, too. I think really? that, that she does. I think at the very beginning, you think that she's going to be so meek, mild, just going to bend to whatever everybody beckons her to do mm-hmm. and right. it's the female power you know she definitely has an arc throughout the movie I mean, preserving her dignity and yeah. correct correct so i kind of love this this was um so would you say she's your favorite character in the movie i mean i love the witch yeah i i would say like this for me, is more so about the witch than anything. And then, well, I'm not going to get there. I won't even... Well, so so Hansel is definitely a footnote in this story. And I'm, I'm fine with that. He was just kind of an annoying younger brother. But, yeah, Gretel is definitely, like, the voice of reason. And it is, it's about her and the witch. Um... This was from director Oz Perkins. He's the son of Anthony Perkins, who played Norman Bates in... Yes. 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 So he did a movie a couple years ago called The Black Coat's Daughter. We actually did... I had seen it already, but I wanted you to see it to just get a feel for what you were in for. For Gail and Hansel. Um, Just real quick, what did you think of The Black Coat's Daughter? (laughs) I got... So overall, I, I enjoyed the, the film. Um, I, I would just, I don't know, cast is key for me. Right. Emma Roberts is in yeah, it. I look at different things with movies than you do. And right. I'm, I'm like, come on, my girl, my girl Emma Roberts was in it, and she just didn't, she didn't do it for me. And I was kind of disappointed, and I focused on that. Um, but yeah, that's what I focus on. Right. Yeah. I don't think that's a perfect movie, but it definitely has a lot of mood and atmosphere, which this movie is I can see that. With. This movie is oozing with... It is so... You said that it seemed like an A24 type. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was going to... Yeah. Yeah. So... Which I agree. This movie is, like, beautifully shot. Yes. Um, Like, you could pause any single frame in the movie and, like, hang it up as a painting on the wall. Like, um, I thought it was very striking. Avatar, like, just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Very lush. Yeah. And it has a very, like, autumn feel, too. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It just had a real, like, atmospheric sense of place. And it, I don't know, it had texture. It was, I wasn't used to seeing this in, like, a horror film. It was, like, late, a so. beautiful spooky. Very, yeah, very spooky. and Beautifully spooky. Yes. Um, and I thought it was, I like the pacing of it. It's very, like, meticulous and, you know, methodical. Um, I was never bored. I was going to say, but it wasn't like this like slow boil. It it kept you going all I mean, throughout. it takes its time, but yeah, I feel like, again, back to the cinematography, like it just, 
I don't know, every shot just kind of sucks you in. I don't mean to say that I was in trance, but almost. I would. Very I would say it was very hypnotic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is about as mainstream and commercial as an A24 release, which means, like, this is more art house horror, I would say, than, like, big studio horror. Like, it doesn't have jump scares. No. no not at all. No and way. I think that those are my favorite kind of horror. Yeah? Jumpy? Like, Jack in the Box? No, I don't like the jump. Oh, you don't like I the jump I don't. Box. This is yes. more my right. speed. Me too. Yeah. Me too, for sure. Um, but yeah. Like a mood. Yeah. Plays yeah, Oz Perkins somber. just has a really good... Um, well, eye. He has a great visual eye and just a real demand of, like, pacing and setting the mood and, like, enveloping you into the world. I don't know. I, I could go on and on about the movie's look and mood. Um, I also like the score a lot. It was by Rob, composer Rob. I guess he also goes by Robin Kudert. But I loved I loved the menacing score, too. It screamed 80s to me. And I, I kind of liked it. Yeah. Well, the. Because oh I was God. disappointed with 1984 AHS, which I usually <laughs> love history, AHS right. and their score. Um, the, the opening credits were very, like, even though it's like an old story, it did have like an 80s, like, um, synthesizer beat to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of just yeah. got you from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and it didn't disappoint. Like, it kept going. It's not like, okay, yeah, we're going to get you here and, like, you know, drop you. No. Right. No. Um, but I, I liked I liked the twist that it, you know, makes on the classic tale. Like, there's no gingerbread house. That is in the original one. And yeah, that's the one no, that I know. And yeah. there are no breadcrumbs, like, to leave their trail so they don't get lost. Okay, forgot that part of the story. But that's yep. not in this. That's true. Um, but we do get psychedelic mushrooms, we which I admire. We do. <laughs> and I'm so glad that the movie didn't take a different turn there, because it totally could have. Right. Right. To trick the audience into thinking that this was all oh, this dream. trip. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's not, sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah. It's not Alice it's in not Wonderland that. and all of that, but it's, it's very that. similar, I feel like. Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, anyway. I don't want to go back to the tales. whole... Um, but no, so I was really impressed with this. I think Oz Perkins um, kind of elevates this into art. Like, it's it, it's yep. really beautifully made. Um, I, I don't even know why we didn't lead with this, but, like, The Witch, um, an actress named... Call, uh, what's her name? She was... Alice Krieger. Alice Krieger. And she hasn't been in much, right? So... Not that I know, but... She, she's done... She's done... Um, she played the Borg Queen in Star Trek, which... I, Star Trek First Contact. She was really scary in that, at least when I saw that back in 1996. But, um, yeah, I thought she was perfect as... Holda <laughs> is her name. She is so chilling. She, like... Uses her kindness to like lure the kids into the, her cottage, and she, uh, yeah, she gives me the creeps. <laughs> she's very good. Very good. Very good. Um, I mean, I she's almost like Angelina Jolie to me. I was yeah. just comparing Maleficent. Okay. In that regard, oh, yeah, yeah, Which, yeah mm-hmm. definitely. Um, 
I mean, she, she even has some humor in there, like some yeah. playful humor, um, which I was surprised by. Some cheeky. Yes, yeah. very cheeky. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, there's also kind of this, like, coming of age, like, you know, coming of age story, Gretel is becoming a woman, and something else happens in the third act that we probably shouldn't talk about, because that's part of the twist, I think, on the story, but, um... We'll just say her and the old woman in the house kind of have, like, a connection. Put it that way. A connection? Yeah. Yeah. We can say to, that. I'm trying to be vague. Yeah, we can <laughs> say that. Yeah. Um, did you think the movie had any, like, shortcomings or... Honestly, I don't. Yeah. This, to me, I would say definitely... Best movie of the year so far, I would say. <laughs> January 2020. And I would say best horror that I've oh, seen yeah. in a couple of months. Right. Yeah. Black Christmas, The Grudge. Rabid. Ra- I well, you love you liked Rabid a lot. I love Rabid. <laughs> I know. Like, I would say the last horror or whatever similar genre or subgenre you want to mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. um i would say that yeah this is probably my favorite since that yeah this is definitely like a big surprise in the january month <laughs> what do you <laughs> think movies. like what what was your last favorite horror since this um I was going to say Hereditary, but no, that was... Oh, that's a good one. That was 2018. Um, that's a really good one. I mean, Hereditary was my number one movie of 2019. And that's an A24, right? Yes, that yeah. was an A24. I'm a sucker for A24. Well, it's good. Um, Not that I even understand A24 and whatever and all that, <laughs> but I just know the ones that Love them. have A24 in them, their name, whatever, mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Have not been disappointed at all. Right. Um... I don't Unless know, I in liked... fabric was that. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I keep giving in fabric so much yeah, shit. Fabric. But we're talking about Gretel and Hansel. <laughs> yeah. Let's reel it back in. Leo, here. Reel Leo it back in. was playing with his his Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, Rudolph with yes missing ears, arms. Oh, he has one arm. That's nice. But we're digressing. Um, we are. So obviously for me, it's definitely a flick. Go see it. Definitely a flick. It's an um, A. It's five stars <laughs> for me. <laughs> wow. I thought I was... I love this movie. Um, no, I, it's definitely a flick. You should definitely see it. Um, I do feel like, as I said earlier, like this is definitely not a mainstream horror film. Like If you're expecting like jack-in-the-box scares around every corner, like this is not that um but this was definitely like a fairy tale come to life it was nightmarish and just very vividly vividly created so to see it i guess now that leads us into talking a little bit about 2019 yes which I sounds, have been waiting for weeks. so long ago. <laughs> well, there's this meme out there, right? It feels like January 74th or whatever. <laughs> it does feel like so long ago. I feel right. like January has just been so long, but... Right. 
Um, so I want to talk about the worst films of 2019 first, just because let's get the negative out of the way and then get right to the positive. So, and I'll make sure that we keep the negative to a minimum and quick. Right. We have, we'll have the timer ready. Um, so I only have five because I mean, I didn't want to dwell on the negative. So my number five is this movie called Serenity came out early in the year. You think it's like this lurid, steamy film noir, and then it's not. It's it's far worse than that. It's I think in my review I called it simultaneously clever, batshit bonkers, and wildly almost enthrallingly stupid. It has Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway. Don't waste your time. Nuh-uh. Yes. Wow. Yes. It it So it's not always cast. No, it's not. Um it has this huge I twist. feel so bad for them. I know. <laughs> And they're not necessarily terrible. In I it, always but, feel so bad for like but my favorite peeps. Right, yeah. but it's a movie that just doesn't work. It's, it, but it's almost too bizarre not to recommend for curiosity's sake. But anyway, number four, it's a movie that nobody saw except for me and probably like two other people. <laughs> oh boy! It has, but it has Nick Cannon in it. Um, what? Throwback. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's and this isn't the most high profile title on this list. As I said, nobody saw it. But it tries to be a black comedy. It tries to be like a who's playing who twisty thriller. Um, but it's set in the Hollywood Hills and Nick Cannon is irritating in it. The stakes are low. There's little danger. Don't What's the name of it? It's called Berserk. <laughs> okay. Yes. So don't go see that. Don't one. see it. Um, number three on my list is a, probably another movie that not many people have seen. It was on Netflix, though. It was a Netflix original. You never and know. Was, and it was through Blumhouse. It was like a Netflix uh, Blumhouse deal. Okay. Yes. This movie's called Thriller. Now, this... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're so self-aware. So, this is a slasher movie, but it has no pulse, no style. It's a complete ripoff of the 1980 movie with Jamie Lee Curtis, Prom Night. It takes place during a dance. Um, it's it's not scary. It it is. I will give it points Sounds for. Cliche. I will give it points for being set in South Central and having an all well almost all black cast, but it does nothing with that. It it it's a dud. <laughs> number two. Whew, number two. And this is batshit crazy. This is the fanatic. John Travolta plays this fanatic of a movie star played by Devin Sawa. It's a stalker thriller. Um, it's not even interesting in a bad way. It's just bad. Um, I don't know what John Travolta's doing. I, I think his character might have autism, but that's never explored. Oh. It's so dull again. and it's stupid. You might have fun with it if you have, like, a case of beer with some friends. But other than that, oh, pile of trash. Mm. So number one... Sorry, John. Yeah, he's gone down here. So number one, worst film of the year, <clears throat> The Haunting of Sharon Tate. <laughs> Again, not probably not another high-profile movie, but it has Hilary Duff playing Sharon Tate who was one of the Manson family's victims. She was this pregnant movie star married to Roman Polanski. Hilary Duff, it's not your fault, but the movie she's in is tacky. It's exploitative. It it kind of leaves you with a gross aftertaste. It's just, it. They, sens they sensationalize the whole true crime story that happened to Sharon Tate and her friends that were murdered that night and... 
it's just wrong-headed on so many levels and i fucking hated it <laughs> Alrighty, so now that we're done talking about the bad stuff i would love to know what your top five are and i think that everybody else would love to know what the top five are even though i know that you have like top 10 20 Right. But we have to narrow it down to five. So I don't, since you probably didn't see any of those worst movies. But I did can, not. But you, no. Thank God. I don't like bad movies. But <laughs> we never know. No, um, I know. I will not. Nope. I won't go see a bad movie. No. So you saw um, <laughs> three and a half of the movies that we're talking about. <laughs> Too funny. Okay. So for all of you out there. <laughs> Listen, if I am not interested in the movie, I will fall asleep. <laughs> so, all right, three That's and a half. True. I know the half, and I think it's about a third, but anyway. Okay. So, <laughs> so, it's a two and a third. So, it's 5.33. Right. Three, three, so, three, three. the first, the first, well, the, the fifth favorite movie of mine <laughs> this year would be, so number five would be Uncut Gems. Now, you saw this with me. Now, this is from... The Safdie brothers, who did a movie a couple years ago with Robert Pattinson called Good Time. Um, it's not a good time, but it's a very gritty, like, one night out movie. And um, Uncut Gems is like a cinematic panic attack. <laughs> like, I, was, I felt like I was shaking most of the movie. And... It's, it's that typical the, hustle and bustle, New right. York City, thug, gangster, wheeling and dealing, right. doing things you shouldn't be doing and trying to do whatever you can for your family. Just, whoa, intense, stressful. Yes. Where was the Xanax at the door? <laughs> right. I it needed a Xanax yeah, where bar. Where was my Xanax? Um, so I guess I didn't even, we didn't see the name. We didn't even say the name, Adam Sandler. The same Adam Sandler as from Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. This is definitely his best work as an actor. Like, dramatic work. He's playing this not quite great person. <laughs> Dad, business owner. Right. Hustler. He's, he's up to his eyeballs in debt. He's cheating on his wife. Addict. Yes. He's well, not like... He is an addict, though. Yeah, gambler. Gambler, yes. He loves a rush. Right. And... Whoa, this movie is a rush. Like, it's not in your stomachs, nerve fraying, like, bite your fingernails. The movie spins a lot of plates, as does Adam Sandler's character. It's just, like, it's exhausting after it's over, but it's hard to look away. It's like a... I needed a large popcorn because the popcorn (laughs) was done first 20 minutes because I was stress eating. Right. (laughs) So I guess we'll move on to my number four, which you also saw. You know what? You saw one, two, three. You saw three and a third of these movies. So my number four is 1917. Oh, yeah. 1917. So this is a World War I movie. Um, it's from director Sam Mendes. Um, it's... They make the illusion that it's shot in one single take, and it's not. It's but pretty seamless. It's pretty seamless. 
Like, and you're not, it doesn't become like a technical as exercise where you're just looking for the seams. Like, oh, no. where did they cut there? Where did they cut there? Like, you are definitely immersed yes. in the movie. Um, oh my gosh, in the trenches. And, yes. Oh, wow. You are in the trenches with them. You were there. How they built that, it was... Every step of the yeah. way. Uh, yeah, it's, it, this movie quickens your pulse. It puts... Puts you through the ringer along with the soldiers, like, in the best of ways. Like, um, mm -hmm. this movie's, like, definitely more of an experience than just a movie, I would say. Yep. Um, but yeah, the, the one-shot gimmick, if it were, I think it only enhances the urgency of the entire story. So, um, yeah, I thought this, this, I was dazzled by this. So that was my number four. And then on to my number three... Um, very controversial movie this year. Joker. Oh Joker. Oh. Yes. Um, I saw 10 minutes of this. <laughs> did this glorify the violence? No. This movie, I think, starts out as a very, like, empathetic character study. You know, Joaquin Phoenix plays this guy who, ironically, is a clown and a sign twirler, but he's anything but happy. He has this, like, Tourette's-like condition of laughing uncontrollably. He takes care of his mother. He wants to be a comedian. This is a very bleak, sad movie. And um, Todd Phillips is the director. He did um, the Hangover movies, Road Trip. Like, somebody that you wow, would not... Wow, so different. Yeah, somebody that would not you would not expect to pull out, like, a Martin Scorsese-level movie. And, um... Speaking of Martin Scorsese, this is very much, like, Taxi Driver, and everybody's called it, like, a rip-off, but everybody rips off of everybody, okay? At this point, I feel like most everything has been done. Right. So it's how can you incorporate everything and make it your own. Right. But right. people, you know... But haters no. gonna hate. Yeah. No, so... I mean, it definitely tips its hat to Taxi Driver and even The King of Comedy and Nar another Martin Scorsese movie. Um, and Robert De Niro also has a role in this, um, a small role, but he plays a talk show host. And um, yeah, so it'd be one thing if the movie was just like an acting piece for Joaquin Phoenix, who is unforgettable. In, in, like, he definitely puts his own mark on this, even after the Heath Ledger performance. Um, but yeah, it'd be one thing to just say this was, like, just Walking Phoenix movie, but this movie, like, excels in, like, every department. Like, the cinematography has a texture to it, and the, the score is very, like, propulsive and menacing, and it just keeps you on edge throughout. So, I mean, yeah, Walking Phoenix is definitely, like, a tour de force in this. Um, but I think the whole movie is just very hard to shake, so I think it's working on all levels. So that was my number three. And then, number two is Parasite. <laughs> oh, yes. So this yes, is the yes, one yes. that This Alex is getting a ton of awards. Work. Oh, yeah. A ton of awards. And deservedly so. Yeah, um, I can see it. It was just a little too slow for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, this is from director Bong Hoon-jo. He did a movie I really loved a couple years ago called Snowpiercer, and then another movie a couple years after that, um, Okja. Um, two very, like, genre-bending movies. And so this movie, Parasite, 
probably his best film um, up to date. Um, but it, it takes it takes a look at class. It's about um, a very wealthy family and then uh, another family that, you know, they live, they basically live in a basement. And um, it's just, it's like a turn of the screws thriller one moment and then it's like a farce and then it's like a social commentary on class and, <laughs> and then it becomes a horror film and it, it just really juggles tone like so well you never feel like you're watching different movies like scramble together you, you feel like you're watching a seamless narrative so <laughs> drum roll so, my number one. Oh my god, so excited. I don't even know, guys. Oh my god. This is the big reveal. Waves. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear of Waves. Should have known. <laughs> A24. So you saw this. It was an A24 movie, but I don't, always, I don't always love A24. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. So, this is from a young filmmaker, Trey Edward Schultz. This is his third movie. Um, his very first movie was number three on one of my best films of the year. Um, but yeah, this is his third feature, Waves. Um, it's, it's a family drama, but I think he really takes it to the next level here. Like, it is so... I could see if people called it misery porn, because <laughs> a lot of bad stuff happens to this... Um, affluent African-American family. I think it's the most relatable movie of 2019. Mm -hmm. The most everyday relatable to the everyday consumer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kind of movie. Yeah, it's it's a beautifully made movie. It's, I mean, it it's the most I felt, you know, truly moved um, in the movie this year. Um, it's perfectly acted it's tragic, but it's very cathartic. Um, I think the director has a way of taking this like intimate story, but making it feel universal to everyone. Um, and the way he structures it, um, it's kind of like a juxtaposition of love and forgiveness. Um, it's it's not even a movie about plot. It's very character focused, and yeah, this I would say this is a masterpiece. I am so excited to see how the rest of the awards line yes. up with uh, your top five. Yes. Um, yeah, definitely Parasite is up there in the awards conversation. What I feel like they do almost have an unfair advantage as well because it is almost this international right. type... It's yeah, I mean with it subtitles is subtitles. It's up for it's up for best picture and best foreign feature. Right. So it will definitely win the foreign feature, right. but we'll see. By a landslide, obviously. Yes, definitely. But yeah, um nineteen seventeen got a lot of love. Um, you know, got a um a few I was so surprised that I loved that as much as I did. Mm hmm It's almost like hmm, saving private Ryan. Oh like yeah. that level, I feel like too. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, um, like, a next-level war movie. Um, but, yeah, Uncut Gems got nothing. <laughs> Waves got nothing. Joker obviously got, I believe, score, and obviously Joaquin Phoenix for Best Actor. Um, some, yeah, some of the movies in my, in my 
expansive top ten did not even get anything. So are we gonna <laughs> see the full top ten? You know, I I don't feel right leaving them out. I'm not gonna talk about them, but I'll just say what my six through ten are real quick. So my number six would be Us, the Jordan Peele movie. Number seven would That's be great. Toy Story Four. Obviously <laughs> the fourth Toy Story. Balling like a little baby. Number eight, Avengers Endgame. Okay. The culmination of all the Marvel movies. Over Number my head. N- <laughs> yeah, you have to do a lot of homework. You have to see yeah, no, 29 movies. Good on that. And then my number nine was Marriage Story. Small little oh. movie on Netflix, but totally worth it. Beautifully acted. And then number 10 was Knives Out, which I don't remember if it... I'm surprised that you put that at 10. I'm surprised it's not further up there because that was a great loaded cast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely a loaded cast. Our girl. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes, our girl. (laughs) We have two girls. Our queen. (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis and who? Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts, that's right. (laughs) But wow, Um, I'm kind of shocked. This is the first time that I've um, seen your top 10. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about it, obviously, and I feel yeah. like you've been like moving some up and down and. Right. Um, yeah, people are always like hard on each year, like from like movies wise. They always say, "Oh, it wasn't a great movie for years," but no, I definitely wasn't a great think... movie year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Um, but wine is involved. <laughs> wine is always involved, guys. Um, no, but I thought this was a, a great year for, for film. There were definitely a lot of um, movies that I would recommend, besides the ones I just mentioned. And there's some great ones coming out in 2020 that we've, yeah. that we've seen. Uh, I mean, yeah. what? So, all right. So we took a look at the past. Like, now let's take a look at the future. Like, you know, you can only dwell on the past for so long. Right. So what are you looking forward to most this year so far? Um, well, I'll bring it up because we're going to see it next week. Birds of Prey. Yes. Um, Cannot wait. Margot Robbie is the best thing in Suicide Squad, and I'm excited to see her get her own, you know, her solo movie. Well, she has a bunch of other co-stars, but yeah, I think I th- it looks fun. Aretha. <laughs> I mean, she's coming out, right? Yeah. Jennifer Hudson. Yeah, yeah, which we saw that. There was a trailer for that this right before... Yeah, Gretel and Hansel. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, yeah, I don't know why they would have played that in. Yeah. But no, I'm definitely excited for... Well, obviously it worked. Yeah. Got us talking about it. Yeah. Um, and then I'm excited for The Lodge. Of course, it's a horror movie, but it's, it looks it looks creepy, and it's from a directing team that I, um... I liked their last movie, so I'm excited for that. Um, what else? Are you excited for Sonic the Hedgehog? Um, let me think about that one. Let me get my Sega out. <laughs> Sega! I, f- I would... You know what? I may just have to go get a Sega now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have high expectations for Sonic the Hedgehog the movie, but Jim Carrey's in it, and, I mean, maybe it will tap into some nostalgia, but, yeah. Um... I'm curious for this other one, um, Downhill. It has Julia Louis-Dreyfus from Seinfeld and Will Ferrell. Um, It's a remake, an American remake of a Swedish movie, uh, like a black comedy. So I don't know how that's going to completely work, but I like the two of them. So, I mean, that's on the screening schedule, so. 
go see it. So stay tuned.